Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. I'm here with John, who has kindly agreed to participate in a little bit of a case study about his experiences on the Mandarin Blueprint method. But before we get into any of that, I'm always curious about uh, you as an individual, John, you know, why did you want to learn Chinese and, you know, what sort of life events led you to uh, deciding that the next big sort of mental project was going to be to learn a new, not only just a new language, but, you know, Chinese. So perhaps you could introduce yourself, talk a little bit about what your current situation is in life and why you wanted to learn Chinese. Okay. Well, um, I guess one of the big drivers for Chinese is I married a Chinese woman. Hmm. So she's Taiwanese. Um, we've been married for a long time. Um, and I just, you know, maybe four and a half, five years ago, decided I, I need to learn this language. Hmm. And I had learned Pinyin and I learned a little little bit, tiny bit. And then I went to the University of Minnesota um, and I got into an accelerated class that basically did two beginning classes in one semester and two intermediate classes in one semester and was all Chinese ABCs born in America. But And most of them could understand Chinese fluently, but didn't speak very well and didn't read or write. Right. So they were in this course either for an easy credit or um, because they wanted to learn to read and write, I guess. So. Right, yeah. And at the end of that course, I, well, I signed up for the advanced and then I dropped out of it because I got in this class where everybody was just really fluent. They were all Chinese people and, and the teacher was speaking the whole class in Chinese. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not gonna be able to survive. You know, she would give instructions for us to go do something. Everyone would be going, I don't know idea what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm very interested in learning in general and I'm very interested in language. Um, so a lot of, and you know, when I saw your course, I had actually been hoping that somebody would figure out how to apply the memory palace to Chinese because oh, yeah. it just seemed like a really great fit. And so when you, well, why when did I you think that, that, like, so what was your experience with memory palaces and, and sort of memory athletics, I guess is what they call it. Well, I think you mentioned this book. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but he, he, he trains himself to become a memory expert. And I think he's on Ted talk or something like that. Right. Yeah. And Joshua I, and Thor. I heard, yeah, Josh and for Yeah. And I heard that I didn't read his book, but I, I read about him and, and I listened to that talk and um, it seemed like, a good idea, but when I tried to do it myself to try to learn these Chinese char characters of memory palace, I just couldn't do it. And I, I think I'm not a very visual person, so I think, um, you know, I much rather learn things through my ears than through my eyes. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I really would like to be able to read and write. I think it would really. So right now, I can talk pretty well, but like with my 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 native language partners, mm -hmm. but when they talk back, that's when the problems happen because I vocabulary is not big enough. And right. so I'm been struggling for the, I'd say the past year to really try to ramp up that vocabulary. Just, you know, I, t I, I bought these six biographies um, and, and I've been trying to just kind of memorize them basically, um, mm -hmm. but they're pretty long and, and they have a lot of difficult words in them. Yeah. So, you know, I'm about 95% on two of them and the rest of them I'm about 70%, 80%. Right, right. In terms of listening and, and being able to understand. 
Right, right. Which can be a very frustrating percentage. You know, it's like when yeah. you're at that percentage, it's like, you know, especially you can kind of get away with that if you really like the content for some reason, like, you know, if you're reading, a, you know, it's like, a but you know, I'm not, I'm not really reading the, the, the Chinese. So I gave right. up on that. I gave up on that reading the Chinese. This, these books, they have an audio, they have the Chinese mm-hmm. and the Pinyin combined, and oh. then they have an English translation. Oh, and I, I picked them because they have all those things. Um, right. And because the stories are quite interesting. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Gotcha. Okay, well, then that's, uh, yeah, that's could be very, that could be some useful. So it looks like you've spent a fair bit of time looking into top down content. So like good content that is like, you know, you're going to look at this autobiography and go or sorry, biography and, and try to understand it. Um, even though you may not know a lot of the vocabulary, but see what you can, you know, pick out of it that way, which is yeah. definitely like, you know, we advocate for doing both top down and bottom up. But of course, Mandarin blueprint is focused on the bottom up element because, yeah. you know, uh, Chinese is one of those languages that, you know, we recently we've been having this uh, discussion on the community forum with one of our members, Jessica, who has these great posts that she'll make that are kind of, she's very well versed in language acquisition and linguistics and all of that. And one of the things that she was talking about was, comprehensible input on the sentence level and she's like well you need more than the sentence level like just a sentence alone isn't enough because you need to have this extra context of uh, the story which we agree with Mm -hmm. but there's this problem with Chinese because it's like if the fundamental elements of the language are not clear to the learner uh, which unfortunately happens all the time uh, then it's it doesn't matter how big the story is if you can't understand the pieces it's like trying to learn English while only knowing 14 letters of the alphabet and like yeah. Yeah, it's kind of silly because it's so easy to learn a letter of the alphabet but still like just imagine that you just didn't know the remaining 12 letters it's like you would you would struggle a lot even though you're getting this input that you can maybe understand and so we wanted to make sure that there's a way to focus on the bottom-up content uh in a a systemized way, make sure you get all of those pieces in place. And then, you know, the dream for us is to get to a point where after finishing all of Mandarin Blueprint, you can just go to native Chinese materials for your comprehensible input, which uh, after we make the advanced course, I think we'll realize that goal because the, the idea is that eventually you can acquire the language just naturally through native Chinese content. Um, but yeah. until then, uh, you know, you need stuff that is graded to your level and it helps you understand the elements. Like it's like learning the periodic table. You got to learn these 3000 characters. And if you know them and what's so fun is that once you know them, it's just this fun, like romp through the language where you can experience like all these different connections happening. It's so enjoyable to read a long form content um, that has a bunch of words you don't know, but you know all the characters because then you just get a sense of the characters that are like, it's much deeper than, you know, uh, what the hands of movie method can give you by itself or, you know, what learning the basic words can give you. And it's quite fun. So um, so you were doing that. Um, and But that must have eventually gotten pretty frustrating doing the, uh, reading the biographies in that way. I and mean, I suppose you're still working on it, but like uh, that must have led you to wanting to find something like what we have. Is that accurate to say um well i you know one of the things i realized is is that if you want to have fluent conversations with, with a native person you need a pretty large vocabulary and mm-hmm. and i just i just got this feeling that i was never going to get there 
as fast as I was running and swimming, I was never going to get to the target it was just always beyond my reach, you know, and it was like, you know, I was really trying hard to and um, and I would say to my language partners who I've had for like a couple of years now, am I improving? Oh, yeah, you're improving, you're improving. And I said, but I don't feel like I'm improving. I'm still mm. when you talk, I'm always asking you, what does this mean? What does this mean? You know, and so yeah. I decided that, um, you know, I think I, I intuitively knew that the proper way to study Chinese is to learn the characters. That's mm. what the Chinese do. And, and learning through reading is a very powerful way to acquire language. And I wasn't doing that. And I wasn't doing it because I tried to do it and it was just too hard. Mm -hmm. And until your system came up, 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 you know, I didn't think I could do it. You know, I didn't think I could learn 3000 of these abstract things. And so, yeah. Um, so yeah. So thank you very much for providing the system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was the, that's the, you know, the issue. You left a, a comment on one of the rapid acquisition crash course lessons that we put as a bonus video and, uh, yeah. You know, that was the thing that, you know, that's the thing that is the key that un op that opens the lock for people with Chinese is to recognize that so long, I mean, sure, you have to go through this long process of learning characters with this special method of using the memory athletics, but, um, and so that therefore makes Chinese a longer language to learn than others, but longer is the key word, not harder, because it's like, once you get the characters, uh, most of the grammar is quite straightforward and it's it's quite enjoyable and it also it's just fun to operate in a language that doesn't base its meanings on uh alphabet and sort of you know words constructed from alphabetical letters it's like sort of it just inevitably changes how you think of it which is you know um it's hard to pin down what value that has other than just subjectively it just feels hugely valuable to be able to think about things in more in different conceptual frames because you know every character is like a piece of a word kind of and so you kind of get these senses of these these characters and, and also they tend to have a little bit of history in them and you know there's a reason why they ended up developing the way they did which is quite cool and uh, it gives you a sense of the not just the sort of cultural history of China but also the religious history of China in the sense that there's Taoist and Buddhist sort of influences in the language and then of course um you know, there's Confucian uh, influence in the language, and it's just fascinating to to see that, especially having not grown up in China. Uh, that's you know makes quite the difference. Um, so, obviously, one thing if you were to succeed in getting your Chinese to a proficient level is you'd be able to more uh, easily be able to connect with your wife. But is there any other sort of areas where you would want to uh, apply the Chinese knowledge? Is there any like professional areas or just any other areas of your life where you would you know, assuming you reach proficiency that the level you want that you would uh, apply it to? Well, you know, um, my wife and I, we, we have a lot of Chinese friends and we get together and of course they're all speaking Chinese. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, even though I've been studying this language for a long time, I, I understand hardly any of it. They, mm -hmm. they jabber away and I pick up a word here and there, but I just, it's like they're not speaking Chinese, you know? And part of it might be, that you know they're Taiwanese, so they're they have a little bit of different vocabulary than mainland Chinese, and I study pretty much mainland Chinese. Mm -hmm. But I think the main thing is is that I don't know enough words, and maybe my listening skills aren't aren't good enough. But they have been improving a lot. So I mm -hmm. think I haven't we haven't gotten together for a long time because of COVID. But I think the next time we get together, I'm hoping it'll be much better, and especially with this course, 
Mm. Um, I think this course is going to do amazing things for my my ability to speak and listen. Um, yeah. Because um, I think there's a real problem with just trying to, you know, I I made these audios where I would go through frequency lists and just say all these vocabulary words and try to memorize them that way. Yeah. But you know, yeah. you know, there's like 20 words that sound like e. Yeah. How would you keep all those straight, you know? And now I think exactly. that's the real problem with not having the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Things, words that sound so similar or even exactly the same. And then, uh, you know, I remember I was doing, um, uh, it was uh, maybe Chinese, uh, pop up Chinese, I think it was, was what it was. Yeah. And it was, uh, there's this, um, this phrase that is like kind of a, don't hurt the feelings of the Chinese people. It's like sort of this I think you'll hear every now and then, you know, so right? And so uh, that Shanghai, Shanghai sounds like Shanghai, the yeah. city. And yeah. I remember I was listening to it and I was like, don't <laughs> Shanghai Chinese people's hearts? What do you say? Like, you know, and it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, but then now I know those two characters very clearly. Shang means to wound and hai yeah. means to harm. So yeah, Shanghai. Yeah. And I mean, there are different tones, but like, you know, it's the, that's the type of thing. It's easy when you're just listening to mess up and then you're like, what's going on? And th those types of things happen all the time. But of course, visually, the characters look nothing like each other. So it's, uh, it's that key that allows you to go from it just gives you the tool to be able to differentiate, which is something yeah. that you know you can't do with just the audio, or at least it's far harder to do. It's like not literally yeah. impossible, but it's a uh, way more time, way much, way more listening. And of course, listening always is the final step. You know, you can usually, um, when it comes to uh, reading, writing, speaking, listening. Listening is almost always, I mean, speaking's tough too, but like, it's like, it's certainly reading and writing are easier than speaking and li listening overall, or they take less time, I should say. But like, still though, there's no doubt that reading helps your listening because it, when you see the, the reading, especially if you're also listening to audio of what you're reading, the interleaved learning, um, it increases your vocabulary. When your vocabulary gets increased, you have more sense of grammar structure and what word could fit here. Uh, it, like it's like you see, um, you know, today I was answering a question on the pod on the podcast where one of the members of the course was struggling with a sentence that said, uh, uh, and he was looking at I and going, well, that's a verb to love. But because it's it's after hmm. Which means that it must mean it's a noun. It's like their love for their children in that way, mm -hmm. and uh, that is one of those things that you can only kind of figure out once you've seen the structures enough time and go. Well, verbs never come after duh in that way. But like, mm -hmm. if you were just listening, I mean, really tough to figure that out without reading it a lot. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, um, I'm sure that your listening will definitely improve a lot. Yeah, and um, I think the the whole reading writing experience. I mean, I think Chinese is so cool, and so right. if yeah. I could if I could write this language, you know, I just really enjoy writing those characters. I, I just think they're so cool looking, and and I think reading that will be a whole new experience for me because I'm not really reading. I'm reading Pinyin. I'm not reading Chinese, so that'll mm -hmm. be a whole new experience. So, I'm I'm really hoping that it's going to um, take help my my spoken Chinese and listening Chinese take up, and that that would really be that would really be just great. Yeah. <laughs> I would really be happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I spend a lot of time talking to people. 
Sure, sure. And the best and it's what's good for you is you'll have plenty of opportunities to activate the passive vocabulary. So like, you know, if you're somebody who's not around Chinese people, but learning Chinese, you're going to have to be a bit more proactive and getting on like italki or one of these uh, language exchange apps that are around. Yeah, to make sure you have a chance to practice speaking because um, the process is that you build up passive vocabulary first through input, uh, listening and reading, and uh, then you speak and then that activates the passive vocabulary. And this is just the, what I help, what I say to people to help them understand that concept is that if you're listening to a college professor who has a really yeah. higher vocabulary than you have, you still can understand what they're saying. They're just using a bunch of words that you don't use in your day-to-day -day life, but you yeah. can get it through the context. And so yeah. eventually though, if you kept watching that college professor speak every day at lectures, you'd say it, you'd say one of the words that they used in in you know just everyday conversation and then it's activated it's like you've activated yeah. that piece of vocabulary into your day-to-day -day speech so what you can understand is always more than what you can say yeah no, so i understand all that that's yeah. what the speaking practice is for and so like yeah you'll you'll as especially as you get further into the course you're going to get into more sentences and then into phase four with the uh, graded readers and phase five and all of that Wait, we're about to release a bunch of new uh, articles in the intermediate course, which will be oh. really helpful for people. Okay. Yeah, sorry, you were saying? Oh, do you have, um, you, you know, for comprehensive input, do you have audios? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I do, oh, cool. All okay. the sentences have, is in the flashcards, uh, have audio, native audio, male and female. And one of the things that I have our assistant working on right now is taking those audio files, naming them with the sentence, uh, and then male or female, and then we're going to put them into packs that you can listen to, like as immersion. You don't have to necessarily listen to them actively, but you could have them on in the background, yeah. um, you know, to cool. help sort of yeah. solidify. Because reading, it's it's easier to read and listen and understand than it is to just listen and understand. But if you right. you know have it playing frequently, then you'll start to get the get the hang yeah. of it. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, nice. So now that you've been into the course, you've done the first two phases, you've learned about how the Henza movie method works. Um, sorry, Kitty just jumped into my lap. Um, <laughs> uh, so now you understand how the Henza movie method works. Um, first of all, maybe you could just generally talk about what it was like to learn in that way, and then sort of maybe comment on how quickly you can go through the process now that you've sort of learned it. So what was it like to learn this new memory technique for learning a Chinese character? Well, I, I would say my first reaction to it was, wow, I can actually remember these characters with this method. So I was, I was kind of sold on it very, very early on. Um, um, I'm not a very visual person. So, and, and, you know, a lot of your, uh, your members, they have, it seems to me very like in you, have very strong emotional ties to all kinds of stuff out there in, in movies and, mm -hmm. and books and comic books and animation, yeah. which I don't have. And uh, so I, I feel like my library is like this big and your library is this big. But, and, and I'm not a very visual person, but I think that by seeing all your examples, I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at it. I'm, I feel like my movies are getting better. And you know, if you ask me how long does it take me to learn a character, I say sometimes I learn them instantly. I just, right. I come up with this movie and then I don't, I don't have to worry about those characters anymore. But mm -hmm. there are other ones where I I struggle with getting the right movie that, that I can remember. And so yeah. some of those yeah. I have to edit. I, I you know, I, I would say I, I have to go back and 
and reformulate. Right. So, so, and some of them, um, I have to go through Anki a few iterations before I associate the, the character with the movie. And, and sometimes, you know, I, because I've been studying Chinese for a while, I know what the word means and I know how to pronounce it before I can remember how to write it. <laughs> right. yeah. 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 Well, anybody who already has some experience with Chinese, we just recommend that you just be a little strict with yourself and say, do you really know it? Like, do you know the tone? Do you know the, the, the pinyin pronunciation for sure? Like, and if you do, and you know the components then you can you know skip that character if you want or do like a modified scene that just gets at the point that you're missing um yeah. whatever it is but yeah like it's a what's so nice about having the spaced repetition software alongside it is that you don't you don't have to worry about it too much in the learning process because you'll find out you know sometimes you have scenes i've had so many scenes that i thought i don't think that's good enough that seems that scene feels to me like it's weak and then i just remember it so it worked, you know, and then other times I was like, that scene was hilarious. I'll remember that forever. And then like, next yeah. day I'm like, what was happening again? So <laughs> it's funny how like, you know, these memory things, you know, you get better at them and whatever, but I wanted to comment on your point about saying not that you're not too visual. I've heard some uh, memory athlete, uh, memory athletics uh, spokespeople talking about how, you know, like there's like a scale of like one to six, uh, well, I guess zero to six. And some people have aphantasia, which is like where they can't visualize anything in their mind's eye, but that's a it's kind of very rare for that to happen. But occasionally that can happen. But even those people have a chance because essentially it's not just visual, like visualization is of course what we'll call it mnemonic visualization and everything, but you know, yeah, you have other senses, so you can yeah. use your, I use yeah. music all the time, like, cause really? I'm a musician. And so I yeah. use songs and uh, you know, sort of like the type of sort of sound effects and movie soundtrack moments or like whatever. It doesn't have to be from a specific movie. It could just be that tense background music that happens when a movie is trying to make you feel suspense or something. And yeah. all those things, I mean, it would be tricky if you didn't have like a room that you could imagine, but you know, even people who are on the one or two end of the scale where they can't visualize very well, they can usually at least sort of say, okay, I'm generally imagining my, middle school or something like that i'm in my yeah. middle school gymnasium and if you have that that's probably enough that you can use your other senses to pick up on whatever else is necessary and of course yeah. Yeah. it's like anything you get better at it the more you do it so yeah. i mean yeah. people like are like wow you're you're so good at this phil and i'm like well i did it for three thousand characters anybody would be good if you do it for three thousand <laughs> times you know so yeah. Um, yeah and now i've done it way more than that because i've like you know teaching it now too so it's a, it's yeah. just a matter of of repetition really how many characters do you think you know now? Well, I learned, you know, 3,000 consciously, like with the intention of and, and using all of the, the hands of movie method and whatever. But then from there, there were um, several characters that I came across at university um, that are, there's like a lot of words that um, the reason why the characters aren't frequent is because it's the only word that they're used in. Like, chichao um, uh, is one of them, which is a word that is uh it kind of means like strange but in that way of like uh not strange like he's a strange guy strange like something's eerie about this situation <laughs> i see is that part of chiguai is that the chiguai chi uh it's a different it's a different chi and oh. that's what i'm saying is that like that oh. chi chow there is like a couple of characters that i wouldn't have learned individually because they have and they happen to fall into that 
uh, weird category where really it's only the word where they're ever used, right? Same thing yes. with the word um, pai huai, which means to like linger uh, on something. You could pai huai on a, on a question that's bothering you, uh, kind of pace back and forth, or you could literally pai huai outside of a door. Like you're like, should I go in? I don't know. And you're kind of pacing back and forth. And those characters uh, aren't used in any other word except for yeah. pai huai. So uh, that's an, I learned some of those. And then of course you learn the characters that are just through context. So like eventually you reach a point where, you know, the vast majority of all components, um, you know, uh, enough so that if there's a, a word you don't know in a paragraph, it doesn't affect the meaning of the paragraph to you. I mean, it would have to be a really key word for you to not understand the whole paragraph. Right. Yeah. So you can kind of figure out what it means that way. And then because there's often a phonetic clue in a character, it's usually the yep. right side component, you know, from a statistical perspective, it's going to be most likely the right side component is a clue to the phonetic side. It's not always, but you know, most of the time. And so you can look and you can quickly learn a character either by looking it up or just being able to tell um, if you're listening to something, you know, I did a lot of uh, listening and there's this great app called Du Dao, which is, um, they call it knowledge service. It's just like they have these articles that are just about a topic like uh, health or philosophy or economics, and they all have a text and they all have a professional recording. And mm -hmm. they're not meant for Chinese learners, they're meant for Chinese people who just want to. Uh, the idea is you give a bunch of free content and then they offer, um, you know, paid courses kind of like sort of like what we do um so you know they they have this um these articles and i would listen and read and that helps a lot because if you are reading and listening at the same time and there's a, a couple of characters you don't know but they have those um uh phonetic hints in the right side component and you hear the person say it you go oh got it that's uh that's how they say that and i've confirmed it so I don't have to look it up in the dictionary. Now, sometimes you can look it up in the dictionary and you pick it up pretty quickly. So the long answer to your question is, I don't know, five or 6,000 maybe at this yeah. point, like I've, but about half. So let's say I, I know 6,000, half of them are uh, like picked up naturally from the 3,000 I originally learned, which yeah. is part of the reason why we say those 3,000 are the key. That's like, if you get those, you can uh, easily yeah. Yeah. learn more from there naturally. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, so as you've gone through Mandarin blueprint method, uh, I, first of all, did you do the pronunciation mastery course as well? I didn't do that. I didn't do that. You know, okay. I, I, I might, I might, I might still do it. My, my language partners say they don't think I need to work on my pronunciation, mm, mm. but it probably wouldn't hurt me to do it. <laughs> sure. What I did when I was studying Chinese was. There's all these uh, things on the internet that tell you where to put your tongue for all the different sounds in Chinese. Right. And so I made flashcards for every one of those and I nice. practiced doing that. So you're better. They're probably fine then. I mean, like the pronunciation course, I've, you know, I learned some stuff from it. That's what I always tell people is that I, I was editing it and uh, <laughs> Luke would make a point and I'd be like, Hmm. I didn't know that before. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I would have done something. I just, I just haven't taken the time to do it. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Well, so then, um, yeah. So then, when you were doing, uh, as you've been going through this, and we start, you started getting into the words. We recently added these extra things that we're calling living links to words, which are kind of the idea of taking a a two character word, usually it's two character words, um, and trying to come up with 
connections to it. It's a little bit less rigorous than the Henza movie method because it doesn't have to be because uh, it's only one step away from seeing it in context. But uh, have you done any of that? And what were your thoughts so far on like taking a two character word and trying to understand how the characters relate to each other and thinking of connections to it? Uh, how has that element been going for you so far? I don't think I've really been doing that. <laughs> oh, okay, sure. I mean, you'll, you'll have more I mean, opportunities well, to. I mean, this these words so far, most of them I know, I already right. know them. So sure. maybe that's why it's not coming to play for me. But I guess I didn't understand that idea that you're supposed to come up with some idea to link those two words, right? That's the idea. Well, I mean, every word is slightly different. So some words are super easy and you don't need to do it. Like, you know, it's like... Um, uh, most of like a lot of nouns are super obvious because yeah. it's just like oh it's the ice box well the refrigerator. <laughs> you know it's not it's not different in that way or um you know you've got something like a uh uh <laughs> which is a um a bullet so you have yeah. child yeah. bomb which yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty cool but that the idea is that if you take the uh keywords between the two characters and you say them next to each other and then you think about how they're relating to each other you learn about word structure and whatever sometimes you can come up with funny little connections or yeah, yeah, I you, and then the other idea is that um you you want to put an image in your flashcard if you can because if you images are they help a lot with that type of stuff but yeah, i totally I think, get that yeah. if you knew a bunch of words already it's you know don't waste your time if you already know the word so yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah yeah fair enough okay um so can you tell me a little bit about what you thought of the sort of community aspect of the course? So this is something we're always interested in because people leave comments below the videos. There's um, we have a community forum, we have a podcast that we do. Uh, and so I'm, I'm curious how that influences your experience of the course and, you know, what comments you might have about that. Well, I, I would say the community is huge for me. I mean, I, I borrow stuff from people all the time. It's, Sometimes people have some image that really strikes me as absurd or funny or just a, a different way of approaching things. And, you know, I, so I'm, I'm grabbing stuff all the time from other people. And I, I think it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, sometimes people will say something that'll just make me laugh. And so oh, I got to have that in mind. Some, somehow I got to incorporate that into my scene. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy reading the different. And, and also what I've noticed is that people have these different styles like that that start to come up and you, you can really see personality traits coming out. And, you know, what's nice is that like, just because somebody has different personality traits doesn't mean that their, their thought couldn't work for me. It means, yeah. it just means that I wouldn't have thought of it to begin yeah. with. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, like Ija, for example, she has been on our course for a while and she's just brilliant. She's got to have an IQ like off the charts, but she um, she's always making jokes. She's always finding puns and like yeah. she could say with it, with it. Um, and that, uh, yeah. you know, her scenes make me laugh out loud more than any other. So, was, you know, and yeah. just things like that. There's uh, this guy, Rick in the intermediate course who he just tends to have, he, he just connects all these little things that um, aren't necessarily in the method, but they help him remember things. Like he'll, he'll say, um, you know, there was a character Kong, which means control. And the left side yeah. component is a hand and the right side component is the character Kong, which means empty. And mm -hmm. so the, uh, he was saying, you know, I'm going to do work, which is the bottom right uh, I beam component to make my backyard empty uh, and then use my arm E, which is like, you know, <laughs> to, to, 
defend my backyard and control it right it was just like yeah. i would have never thought about like army and control and like the component arm and like you know it's, yeah. just, uh, it's really enjoyable to see people doing that and it's just it's such a a great thing to have this technology you know because um when i think about what i learned from which is the book remembering the simplified hands yeah, by james Isaac. yeah great book and 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 revolutionary but at the end of the day there's no comments below the characters where you can see people's input and it's just it's yeah, this fantastic yeah. thing where the technology allows for uh that to happen and so yeah and do you listen to the podcast i i do podcasts oh you mean these are podcasts that are outside the course uh yeah like we just um we'll we do a weekly podcast and we answer people's questions and comments and stuff um, well, I, I said I, I listen to them in the sense that sometimes you reference them and I go listen to them uh, from the right. course, but I haven't just gone to listen to them. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of trying to do a lot of stuff right now. You know, one of my interests is guitar and piano. So I spend a lot of time with music. And then so I try to get the Chinese stuff done every day and the music stuff done every day. So it's kind of a race for me. You know? mm -hmm. But um, so my goal is to be done with intermediate by uh, end of of this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which, nice. which I calculated to be if I can do four characters every day. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't seem to be too ambitious. Um, in fact, you know, you, you mentioned somebody that learns 50 characters a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's all, it's like, if you're only focused on characters. So like, it's like, you know, you could, somebody in your position might be well served by uh so like we the way the course is structured uh is that the hands of movie method from this point on where you are now the hands of movie method is in the first half and the vocabulary living links is in the first half of the level and then the second half of the level is all of that vocab in context so in sentences and we give grammar yeah. points and you know things like that and that part of it takes longer because you know it's especially at the beginning of phase three because you're getting you're just learning these grammar structures for the first time i mean obviously not and i think for that the very part's first time easier for me. i think that part's going to be easier for me. <clears throat> oh yeah it probably will be easier for you so but <clears throat> it's like four characters is uh if it were just the hands of movie method that's easy to do per day but you know bear in mind that it's four characters and they're associated Sentences. unlocked words and you're, they're you're associated saying, unlocked sentences Gonna so, take more time once we get to the sentences. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then we have longer form stories as, as well. Would you say twice as much time? Uh, I, you know, it's hard to say because it's like, it depends. It depends on the word. It's like some yeah. words are really easy to pick up on, and then other words are are kind of confusing. But there's also this trust you can have in your flashcards. You know what naturally oh. happens with all the sentences is that you end up spending most of your flashcard time is spent on sentences. But that's how you would want it to be, really. Like it's like you know, sure, you want to learn new new characters, you have to learn new characters, but they don't take as much time to go through on your flashcards, and you can maintain that knowledge. Uh, yeah. But the sentences, you get a lot of them. And then, you know, it might take uh, a certain chunk of your day to go through those sentences. But that's great. It's great stuff, because you're getting that comprehensible input over and over. And, yeah. uh, you know, then, of course, we move you into and eventually we want you to stop doing so many sentences like I think that in the advanced course we're not going to have sentence flashcards we're just going to have a lot of long form content. Uh, and just lots of stories that use the vocabulary that you're learning. Oh. Uh, oh, because eventually you don't want to have so many individual sentences because sentence by itself is it 
you know, it is comprehensible input, but it could be better because, you know, I was just saying today that because um, a lot of times we get questions on sentences in phase four and phase five where people go, well, wait, this sentence, why is it translated this way? Uh, because I thought this character meant that or that, you know, word meant this. And the reason is because it's a sentence that's a part of one of the graded readers that comes up oh. later. And so mm -hmm. when you see the sentence in the form of the paragraph, you know, the word can change its meaning because of its place in the paragraph, which is, yeah. it's one of those things where because that's true and because that happens all the time. And also it, it's only, the only difficult part of it is thinking about it. But if you actually just read it, it all makes sense. So like uh, we encourage people to as quickly as possible get to longer form content but that doesn't mean you know still the sentences are very useful too and so you go through this period of your study where sentences are, and sentence flashcards are a big part of it but that's probably like a year maybe where sentences yeah. are like the main locus and then yeah. you want to quickly after that move into your main focus being paragraphs or longer form articles that are graded to your level. And then it, it obviously you eventually get to the point where you just use native content. And once you get to native content, even if you're not as quote unquote fluent as you want to be, like there's nothing stopping you at that point. There's no major barriers. So it's just a matter of uh, continuing to like, I don't know, read the news or something. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. Cool. Um, so any suggestions for how we might be able to improve the course? So this is something I'm always interested in because, uh, yeah. and from your perspective too, having known, known some Chinese uh, already, uh, any areas where you feel like we're missing something or we're doing too much or too little of something, uh, we always like that type of feedback. Um, I think you've done a fantastic job. I, I can't think of anything that I would change. Um, I haven't experienced your sentences yet, but I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to that. But um, I have some other kind of suggestions that not things that I uh, that I would that you're doing now that I would change, but things that you might want to consider. Mm. Um, and this first idea is is kind of I'm not sure if it's a good idea or not, <laughs> but um, you know I'm always frustrated by the fact that I really don't know where I am. You know I never know if I'm improving or not. And so. Um, now, now, obviously, your vocabulary thing is going to give you a metric. It's going to give you how many characters do I know, right? So that's mm -hmm. great. Um, um, but I was thinking of maybe you could have some kind of rough uh, way to rate your reading and listening skills. So maybe you could have HSK3 articles, HSK4 articles. So if you can read these articles, you're HSK3. You can read these articles, you're HSK4, and so mm -hmm. on, so on. And then I had another idea that maybe... And this probably would be just for people that have maybe made past intermediate or into the advanced to for members to partner with each other. So right, provide right. some kind of mechanism where, where members could get together. And sometimes I think it just helps to talk to somebody else that's going through the same experience you are, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's like psychic support or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But the yeah. other thing is to practice speaking. And you, we know we both, everyone going through your course is going to have the same vocabulary. So it might be interesting to, to partner with them. Of course, they won't be talking to a native, but, um, but, you know, people could, could take your HSK audios and articles and kind of rate themselves. Well, I'm at HSK five. Now mm -hmm. partner with somebody else. that's also at HSK five. So you partner with somebody that's at a similar level. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense to me. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think that having a study partner, especially one who holds you accountable and like, you know, they maybe you like look at an article together could be good. I'm not so sure, though, about speaking, uh, having a conversation because the, you know, you want, there are so many Chinese people available to have conversations yeah, with. And so it's kind of like, you want to speak with somebody who you know what they're saying is correct yeah. grammatically. Like, you know, and so <laughs> unfortunately, it's like one of those things where it's obviously when you speak, um, and this is why writing, this is why output from writing is very useful in your early days for yeah. as a form of output, because you've got time. If you're speaking uh, in, you know, some of your early time, early days of learning, what can happen is that you say something totally wrong and then you think later about how you should have said it. But of yeah. course it, the time has passed, you know? And so yeah. the, that's, what's nice about practicing your writing. Now, I think that um, practicing some writing uh, with, with people and like going, you know, comparing notes. There's also these great services. Uh, we have, we wrote this article uh, about some of the best, uh, best uh, resources to learn Chinese. And then we included in them some people, some websites where you can post like a paragraph and Chinese people will come in and they'll like edit it and show you where you could have, uh, you know, improved the language or made it clearer. And then like the, the you just, uh, you know, edit some English on the website and that gets you points and you have like karma points and whatever. And so there's good stuff like that that you can do. But um, yeah, I would recommend that if you're going to practice your speaking, you should do it with a native speaker if possible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have a couple other things. One was um, maybe a place on your website where, where members and, and maybe you and, and Luke could share um, reviews of tools, apps, reading material, you know, whatever things that you think really helped you. And, you know, just a, a place to go to see what other people are doing and, and get read reviews. So you might consider trying this website or this app or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, really what other, that comes down to is us organizing the community forum better. Cause a lot of that stuff is there, but oh, uh, I see. the community forum, like we, we need to, um, update it because, uh, at the moment, it's like somebody posts this great post and then at, it's all just in one big feed. So it like three days later, it's like way down. You have to scroll down really far and try oh, to find yeah, it. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah we so need to search the topics. Yeah, yeah. We, we made it. It was a real quick and dirty thing when we made the community forum. We were just yeah. like, oh, we could make a forum. Yeah, let's just do it real quick. And so now it's actually gotten sort of popular. And so we want to make sure that uh, we, we should organize it better. And that way we can have things like that where it's like, this is just for resources that you're trying out. And then this bit is just for meetups with other members. And then this bit is uh, you know, that type of thing. So this is a suggestion that is now on our list on our ever growing list of uh, improvements. But yeah, that's a good, that's a good uh, suggestion there for sure. This other idea is just something for fun. I think that, you know, you and Phil are kind of our heroes. And so it'd be kind of interesting to just have you two speaking Chinese to each other. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And make a video of that. I think that would be, I, I would find that really interesting to watch. <laughs> oh yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a, that's a interesting suggestion, I suppose. You know, we, it's, it's funny. I like, it's this weird thing, right? Where we, because we're foreigners who learn Chinese, we yeah. therefore know the struggle and that's what gave us the ability to make the course as it is. But what's nice is that we'll never get too big headed because we're not as good at speaking Chinese as a native speaker, you know, yeah. we're, it's still our second language right now. I can communicate with a native speaker. There's very rarely a situation where I just don't know what to say or how to figure it out. But I say a lot of things 
not exactly as a native speaker would say them. I say yeah, them yeah. in a way that they can understand, but it's like, you know, there's just so many things to know. I mean, I, I've, I've been, you know, in China for a while, but like, uh, and I've been studying Chinese since 2013. Okay. So that's like seven, eight years, but I could be here another seven, eight years and still not have as many like tools as a native speaker does. So yeah. what happens, what always will happen with that type of suggestion is we just get self-conscious, right? Because we're like, oh, well, we're, we're your teachers and we know that we're not going to speak 100% perfectly to each other. We'll speak to each yeah. other and we'll understand what each other are saying and all that. Um, but it's like, you know, sort of like that, uh, what do you call that? The imposter syndrome feeling, you know, even yeah. though it's totally, it, it's, it's not valid, but you feel it because you're like, I'm putting myself out there as a Chinese teacher. I must have perfect Chinese at all times. Right? <laughs> and it's like, well, no, that's not really the goal with any language. And also nobody speaks perfectly all the time, including Chinese people, you know, yeah. people uh, like things that, um, one thing that pe Chinese people do all the time is, uh, they'll realize that they forgot to say something earlier in the sentence and they'll just tack it onto the end, you know? So they'll be like, uh, oh, they'll so just throw in we'll at the end. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah, something like that. And so it's a simple thing. And they do that all the time. And it's wrong, but it doesn't matter. You know, it's like, yeah. it's not, and nobody thinks about it. Nobody well, I mean, we don't speak perfect English all the time. We, we make mistakes. Right, yeah. right, right. And but it's, it's, it, that's definitely the thing that comes up. And it's a, you know what it is? It's like people um, that uh, it's not even Chinese people because Chinese people are cool about it. They're just like, hey, whatever, you're learning our language. It's amazing. Well, you, you know, even gotten this far, you know. You know, another idea is to, you know, maybe when you have this advanced course and you get people that are pretty good at speaking, mm -hmm. you and Luke have some videos where you speak Chinese to them because, mm -hmm. you know, I think that seeing that people say, wow, these people are actually speaking Chinese, you know, mm -hmm. and they're, they're understanding Chinese, you know, I could do that. They did it. I can do that. You know, it's, I think it would be a motivational thing. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think that, you know, uh, I, that concern uh, that I have, and I think that, you know, Luke has from time to time, we should just, you know, not worry about it too much. You know, I actually did a podcast in Chinese years ago with a, a different friend, uh, Scott. Yeah. who has got excellent spoken Chinese. And, uh, you know, it's so funny, like, we did it partially because this is a challenge to ourselves. Um, but my, it's my Chinese was so terrible i like go back and listen to it i was like oh, oh i can't listen to this because it's a, you know it's a, it, i got a lot better over the years and uh but it was a good thing to do because it kind of made us you know have to try to express ourselves and have to try to activate the language and uh that was quite um that, that was quite fun to do so yeah i think we should do something similar you know maybe not a uh, like a weekly podcast but something where we occasionally get together yep. and just have a conversation about what's going on in life in Chinese and just, you know, go from there. And then we can, you know, we'll just record it. And if there's a part of it, we don't really feel like we, we nailed, we'll just leave that part out. So, yeah. you know, do you know the guy, a guy named Scott Young? He's a, he has his own blog and uh, he did this experiment where he tried to learn four languages mm. one year. One, he, he would go to a country for a year. So he went to yeah. China for a year and uh, interesting. He, he was able to pass HSK four, right? Nice. Which I thought was pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, and and he's a businessman, so he thought, well, I'll go to China, and uh, try to sell my products to the Chinese. So he went there, and this is really interesting. He went there, and he explained his products to them in Chinese, no problem. Mm -hmm. Then the questions came. <laughs> right. He said, I had no idea what they were saying. It was like they were speaking another language. He said, I was just totally lost. 
So he said, he said, you know, there's something about, you know, even though I'm HSK4, I'm not really that fluent. You know, he was kind of dumbfounded by that. I felt that way after HSK6. I took the HSK6 <laughs> and I remember I passed it. And I remember I thought this teaches me something that the HSK is not the right metric because oh. I passed it uh, and I got the certificate and, you know, and, and I mean, my Chinese was pretty good, but like, it was still like, I didn't feel like I could just easily and casually sit down and have a conversation with a Chinese person and feel confident in the situation. Yeah. I was kind of, you know, I felt confident I could read an article, but like, I didn't feel yet because again, listening is kind of the last thing, right. And spe speaking yeah. and listening don't come as quickly. So like, you know, I was, this was obviously this was back in 2016, I suppose. And, uh, I remember passing it and that, that kind of informed a lot of our thinking with Mandarin Blueprint, which was don't use the HSK as too much of a metric. Now we did, because of everybody cares about the HSK to some degree, we um, made sure that after the intermediate course, we've covered all the vocabulary in the, uh, through the HSK four. And I actually reckon that people, people could probably do pretty well in the HSK five as well, uh, just because there's so much good content in uh, the Mandarin Blueprint method, but certainly the HSK four would be no problem. But still, we don't like to use that as the metric because, uh, A, they use a lot of vocabulary. They emphasize a lot of vocabulary that's not that important and then leave out vocabulary that is fairly important. Do you, do you have any idea why that is? Uh, just entrenched bureaucratic educational yeah. systems, you know, like any any situation like that, you know, yeah. standardized yeah. tests. It's just so what, what, like, percent, what, what, what percent of the vocabulary would you say is HSK? in our in our course yeah well i mean the vast majority of it shows up somewhere in the hsk what, what we mostly take issue with is like they put this in the hsk5 but it really should be like hsk2 or something because it's yeah, really yeah. important and then yeah. this they put in the hsk2 that is not important at all they can put that in the hsk6 if they want right so yeah. it's like sort of um just because they're based on especially and also if you if you're talking about entrenched bureaucratic situations in china that means you're going back to a time when the country was totally different like it was just an absolutely uh different economic system and like sort of uh different societal um structure and all that and like you know sure they technically in name maintained the same government but like everything changed in 1979 so like it's like uh what if you have these entrenched things from you know, not the, the end of the Maoist era and the beginning of the new uh, uh, reform and opening up, that's going to be so irrelevant to modern day China. So, I mean, yeah. you know, obviously much of the basic vocabulary is still the same, but there's many words that were emphasized that it just feels like- Oh, like, I see. This, so this HSK came from way back when. Well, it just, it's, it's the basis that they built it on. You know, it's like, yeah. obviously, um, uh, I'm sure that the HSK has gone through many iterations and, and updates and, you know, all that, but it's just uh, when we experienced it and when we looked through it and, and you know, the, it was funny, the test, um, the HSK six, I did manage to pass it, but the, the last bit, the last section is that you have, um, I think it's 10 minutes to read a 1000 character article and then 35 minutes to write a 400 character summary of the article. That's like the challenge, right? And the idea is that you should be able to read through the article three times and kind of get your 
basic structure of it, whatever. And sometimes it was, uh, the article was like, this guy bought salt for his daughter and <laughs> she thought it was sugar. And oh my gosh, the, the shenanigans that happened, right? And then the one we got was like about seven warring nations in the Sun <laughs> Dynasty. Oh, it was just, it was rough. Um, and so, because it was just so hard to keep track of everybody oh, yeah, in 10 minutes, right? Yeah, um, yeah, I know. And so I managed to pull off something resembling a, uh, <laughs> a, a summary and it just barely passed and whatever. But, you know, that's the other, it's like, why am I, who cares about seven warring nations? And, you know, it's yeah. like, why is this yeah. the test of whether or yeah. not I can speak? Well, Chinese? I'm really glad that you went, went, went away from HSK and, you know, yeah. went more towards frequency. Yeah, we built it all based on frequency, including things in the locus, uh, the, the, in the, um, sorry, the, uh, we use these corpuses that had um, Weibo inside it as well. Like, so we, and a couple of other online blog, you know, sources so that yeah. it wouldn't just be these newspaper periodicals and stuff yeah. uh, that, that are too formal and too, you know, antiquated. Like I read the news now, it was something I was, um, I saw a video come up and it was the uh, guy on the small, uh, sorry, the standing committee of the communist party. And he was uh, Wang Yi and he's the foreign ambassador. He's like the highest up in diplomacy basically. And yep. he was making this comment about relations with the U S and I wanted to see what it would be. And it was just like, um, there was no difference between reading what he said and watching the video of what he said. Like it was just exact. It was just, I, I, he was just reading from a script essentially and it like i went this whole element of chinese the sort of um guanfang yuyan is what it's called like the guanfang is like the the um bureaucratic side like so like bureaucratic language basically that entire side of it is a huge part because it's in the news all the time right but it's not it's just stale it doesn't have a lot of emotion to it it's 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 kind of um it's just very, like I say, there's no difference between hearing somebody speak it and reading it on the page in terms of how it feels. So that, and there's too much emphasis on that in a lot of the academic um, materials and the HSK and stuff. And it's like, yeah, you got to know it, I guess, if you want to be able to participate in that element of the Chinese language world, which is fine. And I enjoy it. I think it's interesting uh, sometimes, but it's dry. It's very dry and there's yeah. a bunch of chinese that's not dry and it's like all in the you know weibo space in the like sort of uh yoku and and um online creator space and uh you know some various tv shows and stuff and you're not going to get that as much with the hsk because i don't know i guess they can't be informal it's the hsk it's very, oh, very big see, deal see, right like so you yeah, got yeah. a lot of manza involved so you know it's a, a lot of face has to be involved in this one so we can't just have people saying uh you know these casual words uh that are all from the internet it's got to be guanfang yuyan and so uh that's my basic problem with the hsk is like it's too focused on the guanfang yuyan not enough on everyday speech um but yeah, so that's why our frequency list had it all. It's like we had all of it in there. And so, um, yeah. Anyway, great suggestions overall. So I guess my final question for you is just, uh, would you recommend Mandarin Blueprint to somebody looking to learn Chinese? Yeah, I would. And, um, you know, I think the correct way to learn Chinese is to learn the characters. And there isn't anything out there that 
that even comes close to being able to do it except for your system right now. And so um, if I had done this from day one, you know, I'd be so far much further ahead. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, I think it's great. Um, I, I think a lot of people um, studying Chinese just kind of give up. They get to a certain level and they give up or they, they stay at the same level. Like I, I've been at the same level for a long, long time just because you just can't get enough vocabulary with just trying to read stuff and learn vocabulary. I think this systematic approach is what's really needed. And I think one of the strongest things is what you've done with, with the frequency, you know, not only teaching us the characters, but and putting them in an order, systematic order, so that this character helps you learn this character, but also giving us characters that we're gonna use. Because if you need to learn 3000 characters, you don't wanna waste time learning a bunch of things that you're never gonna use. So I think all those things are just huge. and. I think the people that come and take your course are really lucky that they found this. <laughs> it's a, awesome. it's quite a bull mine. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, you're going to keep moving through phase three at this point, and I'll be very curious to see how you do with the next three phases. And uh, let's catch up again when you finish phase five, like the foundation course, which is okay. about 80% of Chinese by frequency. And yeah. uh, let's see how you're feeling then. I think that um, it'll be, I'm very curious to see how you go because. Uh, you know, you have this situation where you do know a lot of Chinese, but you're trying to connect the dots on the uh, the reading level and, and uh, improve your listening in that way. So uh, that'll be really interesting. I'll be curious to check in with you. We'll send you another email after you press complete on the level 36 <laughs> review. Okay. So. All right. Yeah. Really enjoy talking to you. Thanks, John. Yep.